Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Cyber Merrymaker. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Dan Nolan. G'day. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on. Look, it's great to have you here, Dan. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Um, normally just normally just as myself, I just say, hi, I'm Dan. I don't really, can't, I can't think of any broad things. If you're talking about like what I do with the rest of my time when I'm not wasting other people's time on the internet, um, <laughs> I, I and, a, and a friend of mine, we run a, um, a software engineering company called Proxima. Uh, it's based out of Ultimo. We've got yeah, seven, eight staff now. Um, and we do, we do uh, software development. Uh, we do our own products. We do a lot of stuff for enterprises. So, so big corporates, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you find that, because that all sounds very serious, running a company and having employees and things. Do you find that the, the frivolity of the stuff that people might recognize you for socially or otherwise is a release or is that the real you? Um, I don't know. Uh, I like I like playing around on the internet, but I, I don't have a different persona depending on the the medium that I go through. Like I, ch- I tend to just be myself um, in every medium. Obviously, Fritter gives you gives you the ability. Fritter Twitter gives you the ability to Fritter away time, um, but it gives you the ability to to have more of a kind of a, a mania. But also, everything in that medium is so heavily imbued with context that. Um, it gives you the ability to riff in a way that, that you would at a pub. And that's, that's the thing. It's like I, I, the group of people that I talk to the most are probably people that I would see, you know, four or five nights a week for beers. <laughs> the, Sydney, the Sydney group of, of kind of internet dickheads all, all works within like, you know, a 2K radius of each other. So we all tend to grab, grab beers, you know, two, three nights a week. What was school like for you? Um, pretty, pretty easy. Uh, pretty straightforward. I... Um, yeah, I, I start. I, I changed schools a couple of times uh, just because my parents moved around Sydney. But mm. yeah, it was just kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a breeze. I don't really have any solid issues or anything with it. I just kind of went there, learned stuff, and then moved on. Was there a specific uh, fond memory that you have? Yes, I have one particular fond memory, um, which was uh, the school that I went to had uh, in year ten a camp where they split the year into three different groups. Um, and they put all of the kind of like the troublemaker kids in the, in the one group, which in, in hindsight was a really, really stupid idea. We went to a yes. place called Golston Gorge, which was all the other mm-hmm. two, like, you know, good kid groups went to, you know, like maze worlds and stuff like that. We went to literally a, a, like a Christian revivalist camp that they had kind of re-rolled out as just to just, you know, stay in the mountains and don't hurt anyone. Yes. Um, and we had a really light touch kind of teaching presence happen there. And so what happened was that we effectively regressed into Lord of the Fr- Flies over like two days. <laughs> <laughs> we, yes. we we had nothing to do entertain ourselves with but there was a whole amount of forest and a cliff and so it started oh. with one of the guys like rocking a tree back and forth to see if we can get it down like not a big tree like maybe three four meters um and we we all of us like you know there were a group of 20 or 25 of us shaking this tree we uproot it and then we throw it off this cliff that's like 100 meters down <sighs> and that was the first one and then we started for the next like two days we deforested a huge <laughs> amount of area just shaking trees ripping them out and throwing them off a cliff <laughs> What were the consequences of that? Um, we all got in a lot of trouble and then the trouble <laughs> went away very fast because they were like, nobody died. <laughs> we, all, we all effectively had a lot of holiday detentions uh, doled out. Oh, man. That's, that's really crazy. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. 
Because but by the end of it, we're all talking in grunts. So we, we like <laughs> grunt at each other, and then we grab one of the trees and we all grunt it, and then we throw it off the off the cliff, and everyone will be like, like growling like animals. It was incredible. <laughs> that took no time. Yeah, it was. It was just the moment that we were unsupervised. We all went completely apeshit. It was incredible. Oh. Sociologists would love it. Gosh, that's great. That's so great. Oh goodness me, what challenges you? Uh, in general, um, a lot of the work that I do is, is particularly intellectually draining and intellectually tasking because we've got to deal with existing like big companies that have their own processes and figure out ways to make them uh, more efficient, more intelligent mm. about the way that they kind of combat things. Um, I find uh, time boxing to be really, really challenging to make sure that I dedicate time to well, my partner. Um, and I'm trying to be really, really uh, good about that, something that I haven't been great at in the past. But mm. Yeah, mostly I've got a, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. We've got a, a lot of stuff to do in a very short period of time, um, and I we don't have heaps of resources in terms of you know it's not Google or Facebook, but yeah, mm. it's 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 definitely challenging to kind of start something from scratch. You know, the end, the beginning of last year and have it turn into something that's that's you know starting to really kick off. It takes up a lot of your time, a lot of your effort, and. and and it's really, really difficult to prioritize. So, yeah, trying to make sure that I, I have enough time for, you know, my relationship, my family and my friends is, is really important. Would you consider yourself an obsessive? Uh, yes. Um, it seems weird. The the thing that I'm most fascinated with, like I, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm an omnivore. I like, I like consuming all kinds of weird, wonderful information. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm particularly obsessed with conspiracy theories. I don't know why. <laughs> there seems to be a, a, a kind of person that dicked around on the internet um, and just finds that stuff fascinating. And I do. I've read a whole bunch of books about them. There's a really, really good book by David Aronovich called Voodoo Histories, um, mm. which basically debunks a whole range of these different conspiracy theories that popped up all throughout the 20th century. Um, and there's another great book by Francis Wien called How Mumbo Jumbo Conquered the World. Another really great, um, again, just a really great refreshing Francis Wayne's a very, very funny writer. He's the, uh, I believe he's the editor-in-chief of Private Eye in the UK. Mm. He also wrote a really, really, really good uh, biography of Karl Marx that's well worth the read, um, even if you're not necessarily into that kind of politics. The book is just fantastic. Wayne's a very, very good writer. Um, and I find that kind of stuff interesting. But also, like, I, a lot of the stuff in, in relation to work as well, like, I, I'm obsessively reading about the stuff that I work on. I'm a, I'm a software engineer by trade, and so I'm constantly keeping those skills sharp, letting you things ready. Like, mm. I'll, for, for entertainment purposes, I will read development blogs like i i I have a bit of a a problem in my brain that way wow there's yeah there's a lot going on in all of that yeah i just read a lot what's your who's your favorite author um oh that's that's a difficult one um i really like charles stross's uh sci-fi stuff i've just i've found i've liked him ever since i I started reading it when i was a bit younger Mm. um He's he's probably the one that I would if there was a new book out I'd I'd download it like I you know I'd go on the Kindle store and grab it. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. I've been reading a lot of um older sci-fi. At the moment just, again, one of the time boxing things I've been trying to do is read more. Um, mm. and so I've just made my way through um the Moat in God's Eye, which was da- uh, I think it's David Niven and Larry Pornell about the Earth being hit by a comet. It's it's an absolutely brilliant read. I've been reading some of Niven's other stuff. Um, uh, John. Oldman or Holden, I think the Forever War, a fantastic book as well. I'm just mm. kind of kind of chewing through like lists of different sci-fi stuff at the moment because I find that stuff to be particularly fascinating. I mean, I guess I'm an engineer, so I find anything that's kind of technical or exploratory to be particularly interesting. What's the biggest development or, or, or technical mistake you trip over in your day-to-day business? Um, 
not being enough of a fuckwit, to be honest. <laughs> um, I tend to I tend to try and focus when I'm when I'm working on on work. I tend to try and focus on on craft rather than mm-hmm. politics. And it's something's very different because I can be I can be quite abrasive on the internet and quite abrasive in person. But when it comes to work, I'm, I'm very much like she'll be right, all good. And it's been to my detriment a couple of times where I haven't raised stuff with people when I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to get better at that, not necessarily just being it being a dickhead, but just being more assertive in that in that regard. Because I, I tend to view myself as a bit of a mercenary when it comes to to problems. Like I'm just there to solve it and sort it and get it out of the way. So I tend to just kind of just dive in, decamp, and then surface for air. You know, a week <laughs> or two later, saying, "Oh, here are these four things that need to be fixed, but everything else is fine." What's the most trouble your internet dickheadery has got you into? Um. Well, I'm, I think I'm banned from the Republic of Thailand until the king dies. <laughs> a whole country. Yeah, well, because the, so they have this thing, Lesser Majesta, which is, you know, if you, if you libel the king, it's a, it's a criminal crime there. Um, mm. But I think, well, it's a, it's a criminal offence. Um, in 2008, they blocked YouTube because people were making videos that made fun of the Thai king. And so I sent mm. an email um, with some crudely put together photoshops and some insults to the embassy. Um, with my details and everything, I'd been to Thailand prior, so I wasn't that, that worried, but, um, yeah, I was just like, well, you know what? Screw you, man. (laughs) Eat it, eat it. So yeah, I think that's it. Um, I, I was on the receiving end of of a quite nasty phone call from Paul Keating, which I'm not going to talk about, but for something that I did a couple of years ago as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm just trying to think of anything else. No, I haven't had any really major issues, even from being a, a bit of an idiot on the internet. Where is the line between public and private for you? Uh, relationships and family. Um, very, very important. So I don't mind anyone going me. Like, I'm fine with that. But if mm-hmm. you go someone that I care about or that's close to me and it's, it's completely unjustified, that's where that's where I draw a very serious line um, in keeping those separate. Uh, I also, like, I don't. I don't. I try not to talk too much about work when I'm on the internet, just because unless it's like a very specific technical problem that I'm having. Because mm-hmm. there, like, there are a lot of other people on the internet that are that are worth talking to. Um, you know about about every every uh, field of knowledge. There are people online who have had similar problems that can be quite helpful. And so I find that to be developer Twitter is really useful. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely the personal, like uh, keeping my personal life um, and, and my private life, like my relationship with my family, relationship with my mm. partner. Um, separate from the internet, even though like my, my, my partner is on, on Twitter and, and uses it and admonishes me occasionally. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, try, I tend to keep that quite separate. Has anyone attempted to come at them in, uh, inst- because they can't come at you or, or you don't respond? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't, I haven't seen it happen. Also, I, I would feel sorry for them if they tried to because Emily's um, pretty, pretty fierce the best of times. What, what is your favourite place to travel to? Um. Probably New Zealand. Uh, I've mm-hmm. gone. I've gone there a couple. Well, actually, the first time I set foot there was the end of last year, and then through like a weird series of kind of like Bader Meinhof esque things, where you know, Bader Meinhof's um, uh, complex or whatever it is, is, is where you hear a word and then you notice it everywhere. So all yes. of a sudden, like I was like, oh, I'd love to go to New Zealand, and I went to the South Island with my partner and had a fantastic time at the um, over the New Year's break um, and my birthday, and then I found myself in. Um, in Auckland uh, just a couple of months ago for work. And so it's, it's weird that way. We're, we're probably going to head back over there um, for the same time period because it's quite cheap and it's just gorgeous. Is travel something that relaxes you or is it just a, it's a fun thing to do, obviously? Um, I, that, that trip 
uh, to New Zealand was the first kind of overseas ho- like dedicated holiday that I'd had probably in seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be about right. And so for the most part, most of the travel that I do is for work. Um, a couple of months ago, uh, I had to go to Las Vegas for four days for a, a job for a client. So basically fly over, do work, mm-hmm. fly back. It wasn't great. And I had I had just come back from the US a couple of a couple of weeks earlier. Um, yeah, we, I do a lot of traveling to the US. It, it can be pretty draining. I'll probably have to go there later in the year as well. Yes, I hear that. Is there something about uh, the American culture that you're attracted to, independent of work, but that you really enjoy, or is it just really I have to be in America and blah? Oh, I love it. Um, the only other person I know who has the same kind of affinity for the US culture that I do is um, Leslie Nassar. Who mm. who just adores it? Like I, I find it incredible. I love talking to Americans. I love spending time with Americans. I love working with Americans. Um, they just yeah, they, they have this this sense that the world's a little bit bigger than you think it is. Like you get very Australia's just so far away from everywhere, and you kind of forget that occasionally. Yes. And so one of the things that annoys me is I've got a couple of European friends, and they're all like, "Oh, we're popping over this country. We're popping over this country," or complaining when they're like, "Oh, Australia, it's a sixteen-hour flight." Or like. You know what, man? Screw you, screw you. Every time I see you, it's because I'm the one traveling, <laughs> not you. Yes, no, that's, yeah. Yes, so, I mean, we're just on the we're at the arse end of the world, and we're all just a bit mad. So, yeah, it's it's good to it's good to be grounded by the fact that you know not not everyone's a, kind of a <laughs> weird and parochial as we are. What happened the last time your heart was broken? Oh. Um, that, that's a bad story that ends very well. Um, so I'd been, uh, I had, I had my last long-term partner. I'd basically been with on and off for nearly a decade. Mm. Um, and yeah, apropos, like we were living together and she just basically decided she was moving home, um, and didn't want to see me ever again. But it's, it's, you know, long and complicated stories as, as they are, um, you know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen her since we since we broke up, but I moved back to my parents' place, uh, and so I I'd gone from you know living in quite a nice apartment in Coogee, you know, three minutes from the beach, um, with my partner who I thought I, like I was engaged to, um, mm. and then we like everything just kind of came to a head, and a lot of it was you know as, as with any kind of long term relationship or any relationship in hindsight, you realise the things you should have picked picked up on that you didn't sure. necessarily get. Like I mean, I don't think we were very well suited for each other, even though we we thought we were. Um, I, I, I get back to my parents' place. Like I call my dad, I'm in tears and he comes and picks me up. Um, cause they, they live, they, they live on the little shore of Sydney. And so dad drove all the way down to, could you to grab me? Um, and he, my sister had taken my old room and she did. And so I have this like small room and I, I get there and there's a, um, a solitary, like single bed, <laughs> like, um, a child's like doona cover on it. And it's like, oh. congratulations, you've got for <laughs> like, you know, you're engaged in your life was on, on this kind of trajectory and everything. And now here you are, you've regressed, you're back at home in a single bed, you loser. Um, and so I kind of, um, I didn't want to lie around moping. Like I'm not one to kind of get bogged down. And so I called Seb, my current business partner. Like we, we split up on the Sunday and I called Seb probably on the Monday morning. Um, no, no, probably closer to the Tuesday. And I asked him what he was up to because he, he was working in his own other company at the time. And I said, I've had a couple of ideas. And out of those ideas and gestation and everything, we then formed the company a couple of months later. But I, I just decided that I didn't want to be sad and moping around. I wanted to get on with the next stage of my life. And so that's that's what's happened. Now we've built, like, again, I'm very happy with the with what we've done in such a short period of time. I now have, um, I now live in a much better place. And could you I live in the middle of the city, which is fantastic with my new mm. partner, um, who is 
incredibly emotionally supportive, which is new. Um, and it's all, it's all fantastic. Like my life has gone from strength to strength. I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> Although I did nearly die today, but that's not <laughs> what. Yeah. So I told you I was going to be late because I had to go pick up this bike. I've had my heart set on this particular Chapelli bike after I saw um, uh, Michael Tatas, uh, who's MTATS on Twitter, had this bike that he sold to a friend of mine. And it's, it's beautiful. It's about a $600 bike. It's chrome. It's gorgeous. Um, mm. It's just a really simple three-speed bike. And so I've been, I've been eyeing one off, but I've been working so much the past couple of weekends that I hadn't had a chance to go and get one. And so I managed to, to basically bully my partner into driving me over to Botany to pick one up. And she, <laughs> she had a thing at two just as, as we had the conversation at two. And so she was getting antsy. So we're getting, you know, like, you know, 20, 20 to two, she's got to go to this thing so she dropped me off in the middle of the city and drove to where she was going and the, the bike was fine but I'm, I'm riding down the Birch Street cycleway and I feel like what I think was the handlebars move a little bit and I'm like what Uh-oh. the guy hadn't properly screwed in the handlebars and so I'm belting down at about 60 70 k's down the cycleway and the handlebars yes. slide out oh <laughs> yeah and so the handlebars like basically they're in this kind of clasp they just slide out and it just Keen's left and I basically had to use my feet to stop it like I'm Fred Flintstone before <laughs> running into running into traffic and dying. This is Gosh. after my parents had both harangued me. Like my mum's um my mum's a surgeon and so she sends me this text as well. Oh. She's like, Dad tells me you're getting a bike. You know, there are all these, you know, bright young men who are brain dead in the brain injuries ward because they've gotten bikes and it's not a motorbike, it's it's a friggin' push bike. Mm. But she's she's haranguing me and she's like, you know, you're gonna die. Well, not like you're gonna die, but she's like, you know, you need to be very careful and blah blah blah, like re- seriously reconsider it. And I'm there with the braggadocio being like, Oh god, this is ridiculous. What kind of an idiot that nearly write <laughs> themselves off on a bike and then I managed to do it nearly twenty minutes later. Are you pro or anti helmet? I'm very pro helmet because I don't want to die. I um I don't understand the issues of people being pro. And like, here's the thing: I don't care if other people don't wear helmets. I'm gonna wear a goddamn helmet. Like, I don't care if people mm. wear seatbelts. I'm gonna wear a friggin' seatbelt. Um, it's just, it's literally a no-brainer. Like, I can't think of any. It's like, oh, my hair's gonna be shit, or I'm gonna have like brain damage. I was talking to um uh, Ed Butler about this the other day. He's a uh, fake Ed Butler on Twitter. He's an avid cyclist. Like he was, he dove in. He he was up in Sydney for a week and he hired yes. a bike and was just biking up and down Sydney. Um, and we were talking about helmets because this conversation came up and people were like, you know, it's it's BS. They never really save anyone's lives or anything. He's like, they absolutely saved my life. Um, he was riding around Melbourne. It was quite a cold day. Slid mm. his bike on some ice and basically bashed his head. And Ooh. if he hadn't had the helmet, you know, it would have been all over Red Rover. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there are good helmet stories out there. It's not all, you know, bad hair and people getting cranky. Hipsters, far out. Yeah. Just wear a fucking helmet. It's not, it's not difficult. Yeah. Dare I say it, it's not brain surgery. Exactly. What are you most proud of? Um, that's a really good question. I think in a, in a way, um, a lot of the work, a lot of the, the work stuff that I'm doing, but also that I try to take time out to mentor other people who are in similar mm. areas and the stuff that I'm doing. And I, and also that in a, in a broader, more kind of runaround sense that I don't, I don't think I ever pick on anyone that doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm unjustified. I might, I might've been in the past, but nowadays I think it's, it's very much, I've got a keen sense of authenticity and injustice. And so I try to kind of hone and work on those, those particular skills, I guess. But yeah, in terms yes. of, in terms of pride, just looking at stuff that I worked on now, you know, that I was like, even a year or two years ago, I wouldn't have had the technical capabilities to do so. Like just building that kind of layering of knowledge and information on top of one another and being able to connect those dots is something that's, that takes a lot of hard work, but it's something that you know, I'm particularly happy with that skill set, and I want to keep, keep building it up. 
How did you develop that that sense of injustice, or you know, being able to spot injustice? Uh, it's it'd be more authenticity than injustice, and I think it was just because I found it really difficult. Um, when I was when I was younger, I spent a lot of time with like animals. Weirdly enough, I was just a bit standoffish as a kid. I didn't uh, like when I was quite young. I'm talking about like five to when I was ten. A bit yeah. standoffish and didn't really like people. Um, and so I spent a lot of time with animals. And I don't know, maybe that probably has something. Also, I've just been able to smell bullshit a mile away for <laughs> for like most of my adult life. And it's maybe yeah. a lot of people describe me as a cynic or very cynical, and that's probably quite true. But it's just I just get this keen sense that something's not right and the authenticity stuff's a really big one on, on the internet as well because if if, mm-hmm. if you just get this sense that the way that people are presenting themselves isn't isn't the way that they they live their actual lives then it's like if that's one of the components what are, what are, what else about this particular individual is inauthentic or what what has been embellished or embossed or or modified it's 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 usually the symbol like it's one of the kind of things that if you can sniff that there's probably a lot more going on it's like termites in a building even if you find them in one panel, you kind of you should be wary of the rest of the structure. Yeah. Do you find that introspection is something that you enjoy or avoid? Um, it's interesting in that I like to. I think self development's important. I think it can be incredibly beneficial because at the end of the day, the only person that you that really has to be comfortable with who you are apart from the people that you love and care about is yourself. And so mm. one of the things that I find particularly interesting on the internet is a lot of people have found it really difficult to progress to that place of inner peace where not a lot of people, not a lot of people, there are, there are a few people that, that kind of interact that, that need everyone's either attention or approval to continue or to do something and find it particularly grating when they feel like they're, they're left out or they're not part of something or, you know, for, for whatever reason, something that, that people who are either performing an activity or doing something would be confused as to why someone would feel left out because yes. they weren't explicitly a part of it or, or a conversation or those kind of things. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand that, again, like you've got, your, you've got your family and you've got your relationships and you've got the people that you care about and those opinions are important, but the opinions of other random like people on the internet are something that shouldn't phase you because, again, if it's about the work that you're doing or if it's about the life that you're living, the people that you should really be paying attention to are the people who you respect and trust the most. And it shouldn't, it can, sometimes you can get someone who'll just throw some shit your way because they're having a bad day or they're, they're a fuckwit mm. or whatever. And that stuff can eat at people and it does eat at people. But if you, if you can view it in the context in which it comes, which is, look, that's great. But you know, your, you your, the rating of your, you know, random dickhead over here is, is zero compared to, you know, one of my best mates saying, oh, I thought this was quite funny or someone going, you're an unfunny shithead and, you know, you should bloody go stick your head in an oven or something. Like, I can see why that would grate people down, absolutely. But I think at the, at the end of the day, it's really difficult to keep a sense of perspective unless you're constantly policing your own thoughts in that way. Absolutely. In a crisis or an argument, are you fight or flight? I'm absolutely fight. <laughs> I've been doing, um, yeah, absolutely. Just just snap to and... and and get stuff done. I don't know. I don't know how. And I'm, I'm very, very much that kind of way. Like when I did cadets, I, I did all the medic related stuff because I, I wanted to teach myself first aid and go through the process. And so I've always been very much crunch time or a crisis or something hits. It's like let's get to work. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run away. Do you find that the discipline that comes with cadets was something that you appreciated or railed against? Oh, I railed, I railed against it and nearly got booted out. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. Because one of the like I understand structure and understand processes and I think that stuff is very valuable 
in and of itself, but in that kind of context, I like I just wanted to have fun and and dress up in, in a uniform and tool around. And mm. they were like, "This is very much a disciplinary thing." And I was like, "Look, I'm not really the kind of person that aspires to those kind of leadership positions. The kind of people that probably shouldn't have them. I'm very much of the." the idea that you know thrust into the space kind of thing rather than a person mm-hmm. that aspires to power i prefer i prefer that because it means that then either the pursuit of a higher position is their their only goal rather than the management of that particular position or that they don't understand why people would would need someone to go to that role or, or to go to someone in that position in order to yes. to seek some kind of closure or solace or some kind of something that needs to be done that's that's why I, i'm always very wary of people that but seek out power in those kind of ways because it tends to be for its own ends. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, hopefully not die on this new bike. That'd be a good one. Um, <laughs> Check. Don't, I don't want to, I really hope that doesn't become prescient. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I want to work on. Um, I'd like to ideally start, I mean, I live in Sydney, so it's pretty difficult. I'd like to start seriously considering looking at really putting some money away to potentially buy some kind of pistane cardboard box for, mm. you know, $850,000 in a remote corner of Sydney at some point. That's something that I'm, I'm seriously considering doing. Um, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm working on that I can't talk about, unfortunately, which is a bit shit, but you know, what mm. can you do? Um, I'd like to, I'd like to mentor some more people. That'd be something that I'd be really keen. I'd like to, to bring some more people on board for the stuff that we're doing and, and mentor them and train them up. I really find that rewarding when, particularly when you've been mentoring someone for a while and then they, teach you something. I find that incredibly yeah. rewarding because it's like you can put these little seeds into into situations and, and grow stuff out. Um, yeah, I'd like to meet more than the 50 people that apparently only live in Sydney. Um, <laughs> it turns out every different social group that I interact with, I know someone who knows someone who's you know, someone else or someone slept with someone else or this kind of thing. It's crazy. It feels like there's no one in this goddamn city even though there are 4 million people. That's just the circles that you kind of you, you walk around. But it'd be good to kind of expand that out a bit. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you very much for the conversation, for sharing what you have. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been it's weird. I've never really had anyone ask me these kind of questions before. Please know that what you've shared is very special and, and you are highly valued for, for who you are. And, and, and look, thank you. Yes, I, I appreciate your time. No, thank you, very, thank you very much. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. Very clearly, you're on Twitter. Are there any other social media accounts you want to admit to? No, I, um, I've got a Facebook that I use for personal reasons, um, like just for personal stuff. And I've got a rule yeah. there, which is I don't add people as friends unless I've met them in person. And I, I know that yep. I've, I've brushed off a couple of people with that. I've been like, oh, I know this guy on Twitter. I'll add him on Facebook. It's like there are pictures of me and my partner there. There's like, like there's a whole separate life that I have there. Um, I just use Twitter mostly. I, I assume, you know, that's kind of all you need really. This has been Humans of Twitter. And I can confirm that at Dan Nolan is indeed human. 